content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. smooth transition all right well i guess we're not getting the smooth cool transition today people <laughs> either way what's up everybody welcome to the show today is wednesday january 3rd 2024 this is episode number 527 of simply cyber's daily cyber threat briefing podcast i am your host dr gerald osher and in one breath i want to tell you over the next 45 minutes me you matthew necci c bright christopher bright marcus kyler uh, chairman of the Yeet Crew, Philip Martin Nerman, Chris Young, Q-Dip, James Udakudo, James McQuiggan from 35,000 Feet, all the folks over on LinkedIn like Michael Fink, and all of you all up in YouTube. Squad members, long-timers, first-timers, we got a whole crew here, and we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of the stories, on what it means to you. How can you leverage this as a practitioner to drive cyber risk reduction for your organization? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, settle in because you're going to get massive value from here. Not only are you going to be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? Believe that you're going to hear the stories, hear the terms, get familiar with how the pieces fit together. And oh, by the way, bonus, John Hoyt, Kimberly can fix it, queued up haircut fish. The networking in here is phenomenal. So say what's up in chat, introduce yourself, and let's go. Shout out to John Hoyt. I love myself some John Hoyt, people. Guys, before we get into it, though, before we rip the face off of the cyber news of the day, let me give a shout out to the stream sponsors who enable me to get up every morning, pound a pot of coffee, and just come with the heat. Starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions, Barricade Cyber no pop-up we're not we're not interested barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hard-working business owners into turmoil but you know what eric taylor casually joseph the whole squad over barricade cyber they lace up their boots and kick mud holes and threat actors butts. they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents believe that BarricadeCyber.com, get some. Also want to say shout out to Panopsi Security, who has agreed to sign on for an additional uh, three months quarter. So Q1 2024, thank you, Panopsi, for the continued support and partnership. And speaking of partnership, get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals with Panopsi 
security. Listen, basically, if you need help, whether it's tactical, like, hey, can you run a tabletop exercise? Hey, can you come in and do an enterprise risk assessment? Hey, maybe strategic, like, hey, I've like the business, we got hit with a hack in December. The business gave us a blank check. We don't know how to spend it. What do you think? That is what Panopsy.com can do for you. They are excellent and very, very strong uh, thought leaders in the space. And the whole reason is that way you don't have to, like with all due respect, you don't have to hire a full-time person, onboard them and everything. You just basically hire them. They come in, snap their fingers. Six weeks later, you got a three-year roadmap. It's dynamite. Panopsy.com. Check it out. Uh, in the description below. Also anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll as they are dropping knowledge bombs for $0 at the end of January and February. Now, we'll get into anti-siphon at the mid-roll, but I want you all to know, I don't do any prep. I know this sounds insane and some people don't believe me. I don't do any prep or any research in advance of going live. I literally came into my office at 7.55 a.m. with a what is not a full cup of coffee, sadly and uh, fired everything up and uh, loaded the stories and we're ready to rock and roll. So you're getting my honest, raw opinion and thoughts on all these things, which is sometimes not always popular and sometimes not always correct, but we do with the best we can. Every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth one half of a CPE. So if you got certs, CISP, um, CISA, CISM, et cetera, and you need CPEs, be sure to say what's up in chat. This is an instructor-led webinar I know it seems cooler than that. I'd like to think it's cooler than that. Uh, but if you boil it down and distill it to its essence, this is an instructor-led webinar. So get your CPEs here, yeah, right? Say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team SC. If you're ready, uh, if you're uh, live with us right now, hashtag Team SC. We are one community, Simply Cyber, and I love it. If this is your first episode, Alpha Sierra knows what's up. If this is your first episode of Daily Cyber Threat Brief, welcome to the party, pal. Say hashtag first timer in chat. Make the circle wider, friends, for our first timers. Let them get in here. We got a special emote, a special um, sound effect for you first timers. So hashtag <laughs> Alex Goodwin. You're funny. I love it. Listen, um, hashtag first timer if it's your first time in chat and Team SC if you're a regular. Love it, love it, love it. Now, it is Wednesday, and I am happy to say that Wednesdays, every single day of the week, we have a special segment, and Wednesday is a particularly special one. It's Worldwide Wednesday. ACI Learning has not renewed sponsorship of Worldwide Wednesday. We're in discussion for it, but in the absence of that, Worldwide Wednesday is presented by me, Jerry, your host for this show. What we're going to do is, before we get into the news, I want to show you how international, supportive, and inclusive the Simply Cyber community is. And what we're going to do right now is I'm going to ask you where you are. You tell me where you're at. I'm going to mark it on this calendar, and we're going to see if we can go around the world in two minutes. And you better believe it's all about good times in here. All right, my friends, let's see if we can do it. Set the clock to two minutes. Here we go. Where are you at? Where are you at, Simply Cyber Community? Vijay is in India. Let's go, India. Bring in Asia online. Carrie's bringing Texas and the great country of the United States online. Hey, South Florida. I see you, Miami. What's up, Wisconsin? Semphilis is in Poland. We got Poland online. Boom, baby, boom. 
James McQuiggins at 35,000 feet. We got the airspace cover. Canada, Niagara Falls is online. Holla, holla, holla. What's up, Spain and Sicily, Italy? I love it. The food is online. Europe's coming in correct this morning. What's up, Detroit? East Coast, Australia. Alex Goodwin bringing on uh, Aussie. Nigeria, Uko is bringing Nigeria online. I love it. Africa has been crushing it lately. What's up, Turkey? I see you. Yeah, Vermont. See you, Green State. Wilmington, North Carolina. Love myself some First Street. Hey, Liberia, bringing on the western part of Africa. What's up? Happy New Year to you, too, Michael Vito, bringing the Philippines online. we got some Pacific Rim countries coming in hot. Barbados. I'm going to have to come back to that one because I don't know where it is. Mods. Dirty Jersey. Oh, boy. we got the UK online. we got a special UK uh, cybersecurity professional coming on. Uh, to the channel later this uh, next month. Ooh, Colombia, Andres Molina, thank you for showing up and showing out, bringing South America online. Yeah, South Wales, I see you, UK. We got you. Alex Goodwin, we got it. Oh, here we go. Ghana is online. Ghana, 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 Ghana. Gonna, 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 chameleon. <laughs> Don't do that. Duval. It sells very nice. I got you. Yeah, Laura Flores. Colombia's in here. Johnny Five is in Thailand. Bring it on. Classic Barbados is in the Caribbean. Okay. Um, we'll have to, maybe we'll mark the DR and call it Barbados. I know that's not fair, but there we go. California in the house. What's up, West Coast? Thanks for getting up early, Hugh Scott. 17 seconds. 17 seconds. Alabama, tough loss the other night. Hey, Kenya, I see you. Kenya, Kenya, Kenya. All right, guys, let's do this really quickly. Let's tally it up. Let's tally it up. Uh, very good. Oh, I see Barbados. Thank you. Trinidad, Tobago's in the house. All right, the time is up. Uh, it's so hard on this little map with some of these things. Trinidad, I see you. All right, let's take stock really quick. Uh, North America, South America, we're going to mark Barbados as Central America. Europe is online. Uh, Africa, always bringing it strong. India is Asia, and uh, so is Thailand, Philippines, Pacific Rim, and Australia. Judges? Yes, sir. Way to go, everybody. We just went around the world. Just let that sink in for a minute. We are live right now. This is not on replay. We are live right now with 300 people, and we are internationally representing equally. We are equitable here. We are inclusive. I freaking love it. Thank you so much, everybody, for chiming in and being part of the Simply Cyber community. Saudi Arabia will mark it on the map. All right, friends. As much as I love hanging out and partying and doing all the good stuff, we do have work to do. Womp, womp, womp. So do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. I'm Sean Kelly. Google settles $5 billion incognito mode lawsuit. Google has agreed to settle a class action lawsuit filed in June of 2020 that alleged the company misled users by tracking their internet usage even when their browsers were in incognito or private mode. 
The plaintiffs alleged that Google violated federal wiretap laws by using Google Analytics to track user activity. Google attempted to get the lawsuit dismissed by citing a message it displays informing users that their activity might still be visible to websites they visit, their organization, or their ISP. Class action lawsuit originally sought roughly $5 billion in damages. However, the final settlement terms have yet to be disclosed. All right. So, y'all, do you all remember? <clears throat> do you remember when um, Google's motto was do no evil? Oh, you spring child. That those were the days. Listen, dude, first of all, like this is so 2022, 2023. Like Google, Fortune 5 company, um, has this incognito mode, which is supposed to keep it private, and they're they're just harvesting your data all the same. Pr probably really valuable data too, because you think you're under the auspices of of anonymity and privacy, right? So they're getting a $5 billion lawsuit. Great cash, homie. I just want to point out, I, I hate class action lawsuits for the reason that everybody else hates them except lawyers. Lawyers get paid. Victims get like a 37 laughable cent check in the mail in like four years. I don't know what your, I don't know what your experiences are like, guys. But for me, I've gotten a few lawsuit settlement checks and they're stupid. It's like, Literally, you'll get your check in 2027 and it will be for like less than a dollar. It's the lawyers who get paid out and they're basically like, I don't know. I always feel like the lawyers are just like, um, you know, like wearing your body or like, you know, like like a skin suit. And they're like, like uh, it's just like taking advantage of victims. It blows. So. All right. So Google did this nasty thing. I'm sure if I if I had to guess. OK, so slight speculative hot take here. There was some business manager at Google who was looking at ways to innovatively generate revenue for the business. And they're like, well, let's harvest their data from incognito mode. And like somebody was like, yeah, no problem. This is why you have to have ethics and integrity in your decision. When they created incognito mode, they clearly knew what in end users were going to think was the deal with that. So by misleading them pretty deliberately, I'd argue, like you, you suck. You suck. Okay. So I'm glad they got hit. Google is a Goliath now and it's not going to slow down any momentum. They're like the juggernaut from the Marvel series. Like th they're just going to keep going and do whatever they want. So whatever, this is a speed bump. Um, the next thing I want to point out, and this is, this is a little bit technical and adds a little value. Um, it might be something worth, uh, delivering value to your end users, right? When you go into incognito mode or privacy mode or you know whatever mode, even if you're using Brave browser, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you go to a website, the website, no, unless you're using like Tor, when you go to a website, the website has to send data back to you, right? They know what you're doing. If you log, if you create an account and log in, right, they know what your actions are. If you're making API calls, they know what you're doing. Like, don't. Like you can't just operate with total anonymity and interact with web apps and stuff on the internet and not leave footprints and stuff like that. Now you can have sock puppet accounts and multiple layers of you know tunneling and all this other crap. You can get a little bit more, but just flipping a switch to incognito mode, like all that does is not save your browser history locally on the computer itself. That's about it, right? So 
everything else you're doing is, is is recorded, right? And most web apps nowadays, you know, as you you know, if you turn on um, turn on um, Wireshark and like just go to a website and look at all the traffic that happens. Like it's not this isn't 1996 where like you're just making a connection to a web server. There's all sorts of crap going on. Um, this is why we have extensions to block stuff. <clears throat> but my point is, everybody, everybody in like the web advertising space or whatever has got sticky fingers and they're all putting their fingers into the cookie jar there, which is the cookie jar is full of data that you're generating. So anyways, if you think incognito mode is actually keeping you private and anonymous, um, you're mistaken. And that might be, that's why I'm saying this could be a fun thing to educate your end users about because you could... You could A, just tell them straight up, like, listen, this doesn't really protect you in any way. Secondly, you could actually demonstrate it if you wanted to get like maybe a lunch and learn series, like a 30 minute brown bag at work, because you could actually show like going somewhere with it on, going somewhere with it off and still the data that is tracked because people have a personal private um, interest in knowing what that does. Because you might have some end users who think when they're at home and they flip in an incognito mode that they are, you know, hidden, right? All right, what are we doing here? Um, uh, Amish Runaway likes the background. Thanks, Amish Runaway. Runaway, I love it, love it, love it. All right, let's keep going. Over $80 million in crypto stolen from Orbit Chain. On New Year's Eve, hackers stole over 26,000 Ethereum from South Korean blockchain bridge project Orbit Chain. Orbit Chain confirmed the incident in which attackers transferred the crypto to five wallet addresses and over 15 million stable coin. Orbit Chain is working with law enforcement and cyber experts to track down and freeze the stolen assets. Users have also been warned that reimbursement scams are now circulating and that they should refer to Orbit Chain's official page for updates. All right. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Someone get Finfrock on the phone. And if you're new here, Finfrock is uh, Charles Finfrock. He's a great friend of the show. Uh, and he's like a champion of cryptocurrency. So we always pull that sound bit to, to kind of like, I don't know, bring him in. It's, it's an inside joke. So, all right, guys, even though their crypto winner happened and FTX imploded, and I think CZ from Binance ha had to get removed from his job and pay like a $4 billion fine. Even though crypto's imploding and... NFTs are a punchline nowadays. Um, there's still real money in these, um, you know, in these platforms. And one I've never heard of called Orbit Chain um, got hit. Right now, we'll figure out what the cyber attack is. But basically, it could be anything. Frankly, when you move, when you move money from one wallet to another, it's basically like a wire transfer. So if anyone, if anyone gets like an info stealer on their box or whatever, a uh, piece of malware, and a threat actor is able to log in and get into the wallet and just transfer money. That's what it is. Like, it's not like sometimes Lazarus Group, which is the North Korean sophisticated APT that does financial cybercrime, they will do sophisticated uh, attacks like attacking the Bank of Bangladesh and the SWIFT system and all this other stuff, which is a phenomenal story. I, I recommend you go check out the Darknet Diary um, Bangladesh Bank Heist episode. But <clears throat> this right here, don't think because it's $80 million, it must be sophisticated. This could have been as simple as like a phishing email, dropped creds, not having multi-factor authentication, which is a total donkey move. And then 
logging into your wallet, moving your money to my wallet. And guess what? That's the end of that. You can't, you can't reverse it. It's permanent. Now, two things to point out. One, I want you to note that at $80 million, that's like vapor money. Okay. Meaning it's $80 million of crypto assets. If you try to convert that $80 million of like Orbit coins or stable coins or Luna coins or whatever, Dogecoin, whatever, if you try to convert that into USD, good luck because you have to sell it on a market. Okay. And, you know, by trying to push $80 million down, you're actually going to drive the value of the coin down, which, so it's not exactly $80 million, it's $80 million of value. Next, I want to point out that because it's on, these five wallets that they talked about, and it's on the blockchain. Anybody that has those five wallets, those things are like nuclear or radioactive, right? If you try to go to Coinbase and cash out your 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 stolen booty, booty, <laughs> that you're gonna get shut down, right? If you try to open an account and then cash out, um, they're gonna look at who opened the account and go after them, right? Now, obviously, you'll do this in friendly countries. And Coinbase or any exchange will probably shut down the account before you transfer $80 million out. Last I heard, Lazarus Group was trying like heck to, to cash out, you know, the billion dollars in crypto they've stolen. And Coinbase could shut them off after about $50,000 worth of transactions. So if you had a pool of water, right? You had you had so much water that it could fill a pool, but you were only able to open the, uh, a, a spout, a spigot, and drip it out one drop at a time in order to fill a glass of water, you could be the richest person. You could have all the water in the world, but you're still not able to get a glass of water to drink. That's the kind of strangulation of what's going on with um, getting this money out. The only real way that I have thought of or seen to actually get you know, your stolen, ill-gotten finances out and do something is to do it off market. So then you'd sell, like I would sell, if I stole this $80 million, I would then sell it to like another, you know, threat actor for like $2 million cash, right? So you give me 2 million USD in a briefcase and I give you the wallets to $80 million. Like that's the only, and then it's your problem to like get the $80 million out. And in reality, you're probably going to turn around and do other, you know, illicit things with that and you know, whatever. So that's, what's going on. Not really a cyber story, I, I'll bring it in that it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was some leap next level hacks or who did it. It could have been uh, just whatever. Okay. Watchdog calls for updated medical device cyber agreement. A new report from the <clears throat> Government Accountability Office, or GAO, has highlighted that the FDA's Medical Device Cybersecurity Agreement is in need of an update. Although incident data has not shown that medical device exploitation is common, the report says medical devices still pose a significant cybersecurity threat to hospitals. The FDA's authority over medical devices has increased in recent years, and medical device manufacturers can be penalized under federal law for failing to fix cyber vulnerabilities. The GAO recommended that the FDA and CISA update their medical device cyber agreements to reflect organizational and procedural changes. All right. Have a good one, troublemaker. All right. So check it out. I did work in healthcare, as many of you know, for several years. And um, I was well aware of this. So you may not know this, but the Federal Drug Administration, or excuse me, the Food and Drug Administration is responsible for medical devices and by virtue of that, the security of those medical devices. Now, it, 
it gets really complicated because medical devices do very specific things and they have to be certified by the FDA, right? So if I make a thing that delivers radiation to you, right? Like it's like a you know cancer treatment tool or whatever, right? It could even be like an ultrasound machine to see the baby inside mom, right? Like whatever. It gets certified that it does exactly what it does and the levels of you know radiation or whatever, like how it operates is well understood, well defined. And it comes from the factory with that certification <clears throat> sent out. So now when a security vulnerability comes out and like you need to update the operating system, <clears throat> two things are happening, okay? And it, it has changed. Now they can update the uh, operating system. But for years, the device manufacturer will say, um, whatever, like I'm not going to make one up, right? The device manufacturer would say, we can't operate, we can't update the uh, patch, the operating system, right? So like, um, want to not want to cry, but like the SMB vulnerability that eternal blue, um, exploited, right? Let's just say that one, for example, the eternal blue vulnerability the, the the device manufacturers would say, oh yeah, no, it's terrible, but we are not going to patch our you know, ultrasound machine because that would break our certification and we can't do that. So it's on you, figure it out, but you can't patch it, which was a total BS answer. Now, I want to tell you that they were probably saying that if you uh, follow me regularly, you know what I'm about to say. It was probably because of straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. If the device manufacturer was going to patch the eternal blue bug, they would have to patch it, test it in their own labs, roll it out to all of the places that have that system, which means they'd have to send technicians and maintenance people out. Then they'd have to deal with any type of like issues or fallout from uh, the patches not applying, which cost an ass, whoa, cost a buttload of money and time. So it's easier to just say, oh no, I'm sorry. The FDA said we can't do it. You understand, right? Well, the FDA, like uh, people in my position, like flipped out. And eventually, I want to say it was like 2017, 2018, the FDA made an adjustment where they said, listen, you can patch the operating system. Stop being a knucklehead. Fix it. But it still isn't quite where it needs to be from a cybersecurity um, perspective. So the FDA is stepping in now and saying that, listen, medical devices, it doesn't happen often. This is true. You don't see a lot of hacking of medical devices. But it's a vulnerable soft spot, right? A lot of organizations will take the medical devices and put them in a separate VLAN that doesn't get scanned by vulnerability scanners because they're sensitive systems. If I got a Leonardo da Vinci surgical machine cutting up a patient and the, the doctor is like operating from like Spain and it's cutting a patient up in uh, Charleston, and I scan it and it knocks it offline or it makes the scalpel skip or something, we're talking like, catastrophic consequences. So the easy solution is we just don't scan it, whatever. It's in, it's It's got a firewall between it and its own network segmentation. That's fine. But if someone does get on the machine, there's a lot of like not security there. You're not putting EDR agents on these custom boxes. You're not maintaining them yourself. Your IT department isn't responsible for them. The vendors have their own maintenance contracts and they're only allowed to touch it. And the clinical staff they just want their machine to do their thing and they don't want to be bothered with InfoSec or really IT people in general. They're there to deliver patient care and do clinical operations and they don't care about you, okay? Like, I know it hurts. 
So anyways, all that is to say the only way to move this forward is for the FDA to do a top-down approach, and I am happy that they're doing it. It will be slow going because the FDA is a government entity. The medical device community has an A-load of money, and they're not really interested. I mean, with all due respect, I'm sure they, on paper, like cybersecurity, but they like the status quo. They like how it is now, and they don't want to introduce extra burden on themselves. So having said all that, We'll see where it goes, but this is really good. Um, this is really good for the healthcare community, and it's going to be um, it's going to be valuable downstream. Um, I see a couple of people saying that uh, the like horrible story, and I'm 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 all over. I'm like not clear in what I'm saying. So if people want, I'm happy to clarify uh, what I was saying. The TLDR here is that. The medical, the computers that run the medical devices are just Windows computers or Unix systems. So they're operating systems. But because they're not patched and because you can't put EDR agents on them, a lot of the controls that we as security people depend on as fundamentals aren't there. And one basic solution is to put it, those devices in their own network segmentation, buffered off from the rest of the um, environment in order to kind of limit the exposure of those medical devices and limit the impact of those medical devices get popped. Um, also fun fact as a, as an extra throwaway, um, most of those medical devices, the vendors will remote into using their own custom remote access software, which totally sucks on top of all that. All right, let's keep going. Ukraine says Russia hacked web cameras to spy on targets. Ukraine security officers say Russians hacked two online surveillance cameras <laughs> in Kyiv. The cameras were installed on residential buildings and used by residents to monitor the surrounding area and parking lot. Russian intelligence allegedly gained remote access to the cameras, changed their viewing angles, and connected them to YouTube to stream sensitive footage. Ukraine's security service said the hacked cameras likely helped Russians direct drones and missiles towards Kyiv in a large-scale missile strike against Ukraine on Tuesday. And yeah, hold on real quick. Um, so Wilbert Philippe says air gapped. Air gapped is when um it's not even connected to the network or it's its own separate network. That that's a good idea, but it won't work in, in healthcare. All the systems need to route into each other because the medical device is taking some measurement of you, and then it usually needs to send it to labs, and the labs get done, and then the information comes back and gets put into the medical record. So all the systems do have to interface with each other. It becomes more of a you know, tight firewall configuration issue than an air gap issue. All right, next story. Ukraine says Russia hacked webcams to spy on targets. Couple things here. What, like, okay, webcams are notoriously IoT devices, which means they're notoriously got crappy security, which means they notoriously have default creds that no one fixed. This is not um, a, this is not a wild story. I what I would say is wild is that the story's coming out now. Russia's been all up in Ukraine's britches for like over a year now. So if this soft uh, asset was there for recon, you'd think they would have found it already. You can use Shodan to find these webcams fairly easy. We could do it as a exercise in about 10 minutes. Um, for Russia to, you know, I don't know where the webcams were. Um, let's see. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah, the, the cameras were installed on residential buildings in Kiev. If, if anything, like anyone could stand that up. I could stick a webcam on my on my studio outside and then someone could use it to like, 
you know, spy on my backyard, right? So if I'm if I'm in a city and I stick a webcam up so you can see like the wo- local weather or you can see the traffic, right? That that doesn't necessarily fall under uh, enterprise information security control, right? If I if I live in the city and I stick a webcam out on my own home network, it's still on the internet. I still can access it in order to see if traffic's bad, um, and it can be weaponized. It's just an asset, right? Russia's uh, utilizing it to look in Kiev and see, I guess, what's going on. I don't know what Russian intel's using this for. If <clears throat> if anything, um, if anything, I actually so you look at this. Um, the Russian Intel services gain remote access, which is typically default creds. Like, go look up Mirai source code. Change the viewing angle. Also not hard. That's a functionality built into many of the webcams. And then connected them to a YouTube stream to stream sensitive footage. Now, this is actually hilarious. This is hilarious. I was going to say, how do they know that Russia hacked webcams? Like, there's usually not a lot of logging or telemetry captured by webcam. So how would you know Russia hacked them in the first place? But if you're streaming them live on YouTube, well then, I guess that might be a little bit of uh, poor OPSEC. Catch me outside. How about that? Um, but yeah, so that's what's up. I, I do want to show you one thing really quickly. Oh, um, was it net cam? Um, like, look, this is nothing. It's nothing. Look it. Like here's a website called insectcam.org and it's literally just webcams. Like here's one in Coburg, Germany. What's up, Germany? Right now, this is just a live video feed, but because it's here, I can easily like, like here's, here's where it is. Look, like here's the exact pinpoints on where it is. Now, here's the thing. I can click into this. You can, see, I don't know if you can, you can't see it on the stream, but the IPv4 address is here. If I click in on this, then I'll go to the webcam web admin portal. If I want to, I can attempt to log in. At that point, I'm committing a crime, which I'm not going to do. But my point is, if this webcam is right here looking at this city square and it's got default creds, I can take this camera over. That took me like five seconds, okay? And I am not Russian Intel services. I'm sure they're much more sophisticated than that. So this is what's up, dude. When you're in a it doesn't matter if it's cyber warfare, military capability, recon for a pen test, whatever. You're going to use all the assets at your disposal to get your recon. Recon's the first step in the cyber kill chain. This is a great recon source. Let's go. Now it's time to thank today's episode sponsor, NetSPI. Take the hassle out of dealing with alert fatigue, validation, and prioritization. Instead, use NetSPI's ASM platform to hone in on what's actually important. Attack surface vulnerabilities constantly evolve, causing a lack of visibility and overwhelm for your security teams. Start the new year off right by partnering with NetSPI to enhance your security program. Visit netspi.com ASM to learn more. I guess I am wearing the Red Team Village shirt today, so I am I am off sec. I am, I am offensive today. <laughs> well, it is the mid-roll, so you know what we're doing here. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the mid-roll. We're a couple minutes over the half hour, but that's fine because we did Worldwide Wednesday. I want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi Security. 
Also anti-siphon training. I don't know if there's any first timers in here. If there is, hashtag first timer in chat. I didn't see any earlier, but I would love to welcome you with a custom sound effect and a custom. Um, actually, Deboron Barua, we'll call you a first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Let me know if you're a first timer in chat. Hashtag first timer. Guys, thank you. Thank you so very much to being here. Over 100,000 people on the subs, 437 of you here live with us on stream this morning. What an amazing community. I hope everybody's ready for um, 2024 and all their goals. Hey, all right. Logan Fuller, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. All right. Hey, if you're getting value from the stream, head over to LinkedIn, um, head over to YouTube and hit the like button. It goes a long way to help people like Jeffrey Fry, first timer in chat and Jeremy in chat and Brandon JN on LinkedIn. It helps all of them find us for the first time, literally by hitting the like button. It triggers the YouTube algorithm to say, hey, cyber people, because you're all cyber people. Let's be real. You're all looking for cyber content on YouTube, it'll say, hey, this is definitely cyber content that people like. Let me go tell other people looking for cyber content. Tom Simpson, welcome to the party, pal. And that's how it works. So pay it forward. Hit the like button. Thank you very much. Let's go. Doug Carruthers in the house. Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, Matia Nanfria, welcome to the party, pal. All right. And all those emotes, that is John McClain, a.k.a. Bruce Willis, saying welcome to the party, pal. Welcoming you all into chat. This is so good. All right. Hey, I want to say shout out and thanks to Anti-Siphon Training. Uh, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone. And here's the important part. Regardless of financial position, they offer students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and get taught by industry experts. Active defense and cyber deception right there. SOC core skills right there. Both of those courses are available at the end of January and the first week of February 2024. So like three or four weeks away. There's a link in the description below on YouTube for both of these classes. They're taught by John Strand. John Strand is an inspirational, inspiring um, cyber practitioner and leader over at Black Hills Information Security. I'm a huge fan of John. He influences the way I run Simply Cyber, and he is teaching those two courses. So if you want to get taught by John Strand two weeks in a row for $0, use the links in the description below. This is a limited time offer. He only does these live courses a couple times a year. Giddy up on it. Now, do me a favor. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Who's got the baton right now? Abraham's got the baton. Abraham, tag somebody in chat. If you want to blow up your simply uh, your professional network, go on LinkedIn and search for this hashtag and connect with the people using it. Get your la-la-las on. All right. And for you first-timers, seriously, go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, and connect with the people using it. And then w once you'll be there, the, the people will start connecting with you. Five minutes a day, two weeks' time, you'll blow up your professional network. Believe me, if, if it doesn't happen, come back and tell me. I uh, haven't had a single person come back and tell me. Let's go.
Hackers breach Australian court hearing database. Uh Uh-oh, Alex. Australia's Court Services Victoria, or CSV, has warned that court hearing videos were exposed after suffering a ransomware attack. CSV said the attack disrupted its AV network, video and audio recordings, and transcription services. The leaked recordings contain a mix of public and confidential information from court proceedings between November 1st and December 21st. CSV's disclosure did not identify the responsible threat actor. However, sources report that the Chilin ransomware gang may be behind the attack. Did they say the ransomware gang's name is Chilin? Like chill, like Chilin, bruh? Chilin? I like it. Um, all right. Australian court services, video recordings of court hearings. All right. <clears throat> so, all right. Alex Goodwin uh, reported this yesterday. All right. So thanks. Alex Goodwin is our Australian in like in the field reporter. Um, here's the deal. It's not good, right? So think about, <clears throat> excuse me, think about any court case, right? Um, in the in the courtroom, they have recordings. That is the data that's been compromised. Now it says a ransomware attack. Um, I'm less worried about the data exfil because a lot of court cases you can have people in the in the in the audience or whatever. I, there's a special word for the audience of a courtroom. I can't remember the the galley or whatever the gallery. I don't know. <clears throat> so like, I don't think it's really. That concerning. The the more impact here is that the data has been encrypted, it would appear. Well, let's confirm whether it's been encrypted or if they just did data Excel. Um it says it contains sensitive hearing recordings, so that's not good. Um one. Immediately isolated and disabled. This is classic first steps for incident response. Nice job. <clears throat> a lot of EDR solutions, uh, endpoint detection and response, have a button, like literally to di- like isolate the inf- infected machine. I gave a lecture yesterday on EDR, and uh, <clears throat> I, you know, it, it seemed relative. Um, all right, so here's the thing: it looks like it included Supreme Court hearings, so there could be some sensitive information in here. If the AV system is impacted from encryption and it's not able to record anything, um, that could be a problem. Uh, Alex Goodwin is saying that it could cast doubt on evidence and get a court case thrown out. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I hear what you're saying, Alex. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the recordings are you know, forensically sound for review, not necessarily admissible evidence, right? It's like the court, it's happening, right? Like it's not evidence that's being submitted unless, unless it's depositions and stuff like that. I don't know. We, I guess the TLDR here is we don't see a lot of courtroom or, you know, court judicial type stuff uh, getting hit. There was confidential information in here, so that's not good. Uh, we'll see. Typically with ransomware, they're just about the straight cash, homie. So they're not really trying to like do uh, espionage and get some specific court case thrown out. This isn't Hans Gruber talking about his brother in arms across uh, the world and uh, wanting retribution and have them released from prison. Like this just seems like a straight, straight cash, homie uh, cash grab. So, We'll see where it goes. Also, I just want to point out, and I say this every time there's an Australian story, 
Australia passed a law saying if you got hit with a cyber attack, um, you were going to get financially penalized because they were getting sick and tired of massive breaches happening. And they passed the law. There's been massive breaches. I haven't seen um, any type of news around financial penalties. Alex Goodwin, let me know. So hopefully this doesn't result in um, compromised court cases. The the one thing I will say for practitioners to have a little bit of takeaway for, for this, <clears throat> if if in this case, these recordings are that sensitive and that important, right? You can't really control the confidentiality of it, right? But what I would say is you should be making backups. Backups is a fundamental security control. And if it was going to result in a court case being thrown out, if you had backups you could restore from, you would then have a um, pristine instance of the recording. And you could say undeniably that, you know, using hash, you know, hashes and stuff like that, like this recording was backed up on whatever, September 3rd. Um, it's the same as it was today, as it was September 3rd. The hack happened December 21st. The data of this is forensically sound. So if we need to pull, if we need to review the recording, we can. If they weren't making backups of this data, um, that's a damn shame. And um, basically you should do a, a business impact analysis. This is fundamental GRC work. If this is that critical of data, it needs to be backed up, period, full stop. Okay, that's that. Mysterious hacker attacked industry-leading Iranian companies. On December 20th, a hacker called IR Leaks announced the sale of over 160 million records allegedly stolen from 23 leading insurance companies in Iran. The hacker is seeking $60,000 for the stolen data, which they claim includes names, birth dates, father's names, phone numbers, mobile numbers, and national codes. Researchers say the data appears to be legit, but it's not clear how the hackers targeted so many insurance companies at the same time. On December 30th, IR leaks also say they hacked Iran's largest delivery platform, Snap Food, and stole three terabytes of data. Wow. <clears throat> so I don't know who this threat actor is, but 60 grand, 60 grand for a major data set um, from 23 leading insurance companies in Iran. I could see someone's buying this, dude. 60 grand, 60 grand is. Um, pretty legit. I mean, like, look at this. Uh, like I, I, it's hard to see on the stream, but I can read it. Of uh, the 23 people, um, the first one, Kausar, 7 million records includes, um, the Iranian armed forces, IRGC, AGA, uh, a company called Asia, 26 million records, Albor's 19 and a half. These are insurance policies. Okay. So I I've said this before it's $60,000, but check it out. Like, Again, this isn't like a playbook on how to commit crime, but $60,000 is an absolute steal. This guy's probably going to get $60,000 a couple times over. I would also argue that he's a, he's a lone wolf hacker who <clears throat> probably could charge more and is kind of new to pricing this type of uh, data. If I'm a threat actor, I pay 60 grand for this data set. I take the data, I filter by individual, uh, I sort by total value of policy or total value of premium. I find the fattest, juiciest, richest targets, like top 10. And then I spe I do some recon on them. I spearfish the crap out of them. 
and I hope one of them hits. And guess what? It's probably going to hit for more than 60 grand. So your ROI is going to be pretty good on that. Um, I mean, you could even, I mean, if you want to go business to business, you could download the data set for 60 grand, put together an entire playbook workflow, use chat GPT, give a couple tools, bundle it as a total solution package and sell that for 90 grand. And then you, you get one client and you've paid for it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how uh, multiple organizations were hacked at the same time. If I, if I had to guess, um, even though it says multiple organizations were breached, I get the vibe that it was like a third party. It was either a third party that had access to all this data, or it is some piece of software that is pretty um, specific to the insurance industry that had a vulnerability. So this guy could just go pop, 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 right? So, because I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's it's like, that's a lot of businesses. And the only commonality is the insurance company. So <clears throat> it's like um, when Russia attacked Ukraine by hitting that accounting software that led to the not pet your wiper virus. Um, same thing. Um, I'm not even going to comment on this snap food. I mean, this is this is pretty standard, right? You can easily now send out phishing emails that say like, oh, like here's a $20 coupon or here's a $100 snap food slash DoorDash coupon uh, for, you know, being a great customer. Click here. Boom. I own your, I own your credentials. What are you going to do with that? Password reuse. Maybe you can hack into some other stuff. I don't, I'm sure snap food, you might have your credit card on file. No one, no one is hacking an individual's account to get one credit card when you can go on the dark web and, you know, basically buy 600,000 credit cards in one swift stroke. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, you got to think it's not just return on your financial investment, but return on your time investment. All right. But 60 grand, that's, that's cheap for what we're, uh, what we're dealing with here. <clears throat> Gosh, guys, I'm losing my voice today. Google password resets, not enough to stop info stealing malware. On October 23rd, a cyber criminal known as Prisma boasted of a hacking technique that could continue accessing a victim's Google account even after the password is changed. Security researchers have confirmed the malware exfiltrates session tokens to allow the malware operator to hijack the victim's accounts. The exploit takes advantage of Google's multi-login feature, which synchronizes Google accounts across different services. Users who suspect they've been infected should log out entirely and thus invalidate their session tokens to prevent exploitation. There are six known malware families abusing the vulnerability, most of which target Windows systems. All right. So this is not good. Not good. Okay. So you log in to your Google account. And remember, <clears throat> I don't know if this affects um, federated authentication. So like, say you log into, I don't know, like try hack me or hack the box using like your Google credentials. I'm not sure if, <clears throat> if this affects that, but anywhere that you're using federated authentication could be uh, an, uh, an issue. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh my God, my throat's killing me. So info stealing malware is exactly what it sounds like. It sits there and it harvests your data and your passwords, your cookies, your tokens, your session um, I, you know, IDs, like anything, your crypto wallet creds, like anything that is um, used for identi identification, authentication. It can also steal, you know, credit card and other stuff, but most of the time it's 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 going for your creds. Now, Google said they fixed it, um, but 
you know, I, I guess this threat actor is saying that that really didn't fix anything. The one thing I'm I'm curious about um, is if it it runs on your own machine, so it 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 doesn't matter what type of browser you're using, right? So it it's like if you just authenticate to Google, um, you, you have potential to get popped. Um, a couple things I would say here. I'm looking at some of the stuff here. Um, unfortunately, this is what you're going to have to do. Unfortunately, you're going to, this is, this requires a um, multiple controls in order to handle. Okay. So first of all, hopefully Google's going to fix this. Okay. So that's one thing. Google's got to do their work. You can't, you can't control that. Two, it, it says it typically comes through like spam emails and phishing emails and stuff. So you need to educate your end users on not falling for these type of things. Standard practice for end user awareness training. <clears throat> Don't overwhelm them with like OAuth and info stealing malware and like authentication mechanisms <clears throat> in zero days. Don't do that. What you need to do is just tell them this is a fish. This is what happens. Don't fall for fishes. Don't be silly. Like here, here's um, a bad link. They can use OneDrive, Google Drive, whatever. Um, I, I I almost suspect that the um, the um, phishing emails would be kind of targeted around Google services, so you're more likely to um, want to log into a Google service and have those session tokens available to to grab. Next, you want to have EDR agents on your boxes because info stealing malware it will be running locally on the box. So if you can get detection of that malware, you'll stop it. Also, make sure your firewall, if you have firewalls, if you can, get them updated with uh, real-time threat intel, right? Like next-gen, I know it's a buzzword, but next-gen firewalls that get updated. So when these info-stealing malwares, if they're stealing your information, right? Info-stealing malware, if they're stealing your information, they have to exfil it somewhere. It has to go somewhere on the internet to some threat actor so they can you know, put on their evil henchman gloves and pill for your data, right? So if you can block internet traffic at the firewall to those C2 nodes or to those data Excel points, um, that's good to go. Now, if they're pushing them to like Google Drive or OneDrive, you're kind of hosed on that. But anyways, it, that's why it's defense in depth, right? And then obviously, from a detection perspective, make sure people are paying attention. Google's pretty good about saying, hey, you have multiple logins. Do you want to see that? Always check those out. Educate your end users that that's a service that Google provides. Um, you know, if if you do password reset and it still doesn't fix anything, that's a hot mess express. I will tell you in some instances, I don't know if Google does this, but it's worth investigating. Um, I know Microsoft off, Office 365 does this. You can like basically ex uh, terminate all session tokens. Like basically, if you're resetting an O365 account, there's a way to like kill all sessions. It's inconvenient for your end users because, you know, but they're compromised. So, you know, sorry, better luck next time, Carl. And you can just pop it and it'll wipe out all that. Uh, so defense in depth, be mindful. Good luck. This sucks. And please, Google, please fix this. Like, you know, here we go. Steam drops support for Windows 7 and 8.1 to boost <clears throat> security. As of January 1st, Steam will no longer receive software and security updates on Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 8.1. While Steam still technically works on these older OSs, the gaming company said they cannot guarantee continued functionality. 
They also said using older versions of Steam could cause systems to be vulnerable to new security flaws and the rise of information-stealing malware. Steam recommends users upgrade to Windows 10 or 11. However, Windows 10 reaches end of support in October of 2025, which might make Windows 11 a better option for users who do not wish to keep upgrading their operating system. All right. I mean, this is, I mean, way to go Steam. But the TLDR here is that Windows 7, <laughs> Windows 7 went end of life. Windows 8 and 8.1 went end of life. Like Steam has been back supporting them uh, and now they're no longer going to do it. So right on legacy tech. Um, you do want to be a little careful. Uh, this could be an opportunity to educate end users. Steam is a video game platform for lack of a better term. Uh, lots of adults play video games. Lots of kids play video games. James McQuiggan with the super chat. Everyone right now, take a moment right now and hit that like button. We only have 55 and there's over 400 of us here. Come on, let's go folks. Like, like, like. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, uh, James, for the super chat. So here's the deal. A lot of adults play games, sure. But adults have money and can buy updated uh, computers. A lot of kids a lot of kids play games. A lot of kids don't have money to upgrade their computer. If it's a Windows 7 computer and it works, they're going to ride with it, right? Which is going to expose them to uh, risk, especially if they're doing things that kids do, like downloading uh, cracks and getting free Robux and Fortnite skins and stuff. So I, I would just educate your end users. Like, listen, Steam is a video game platform. And if you're running Windows 7 or 8.1, you're introducing undue risk to yourself. If you can, upgrade your operating system to a supported one. If not, like basically you've accepted that risk. Don't tell me you have a low risk appetite and then make decisions like this. All right, I didn't want to spend a terrible amount of time on that. <clears throat> but also, if you run Steam in your environment, if you let your end users BYOD or let them just play Steam, uh, make sure they're not running Windows 7 or 8 because you're introducing that same risk to your um your enterprise. And that does it for today's cybersecurity headlines, but we're happy to be back in the new year with our cybersecurity headlines week in review show. Starts yep. this Friday, January go. 5th. All right, guys, real quick, if you were here just for the news, thank you so very much. Great to have you. I want everybody to know that tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, I am running um, the State of Simply Cyber quarterly meeting. It's the Q1 2024 meeting. If you don't know what it is, it's basically uh, once a quarter, I, join, I I lead a meeting for the community where we talk about what happened and what got done, all the changes, all the improvements, what can you expect in the next quarter, uh, all the initiatives and stuff that we're doing, and then any recommendations or suggestions I will take. It's a good time. It's a great way. Um, I serve, if you don't know me, I serve the Simply Cyber community. It's a great privilege and an amazing honor to serve you. And um, I do this for transparency, accountability, and to make sure that we are um, in lockstep and aligned with each other. Uh, really excited. Um, so uh, come come check that out. Obviously, tomorrow at 8 a.m. I'll be live again. I will get some honey into my throat, and that'll be good. Uh, but if you were here just for the news, I bet I bid you good day. And uh, let me, <clears throat> excuse me, let me look at my calendar really quickly. All right, I can do 15 minutes of uh, jaw jacking, okay? My throat's killing me. I've got something at 9.30. Uh, but I, again, I serve the community, so 
that's putting my uh, walk in the walk. So even with my throat busted up, I'm going to uh, keep going. Hey, before we switch over to jaw jacking, we've got, uh, we need someone for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an amazing way to blow up your professional network. Thank you, Kathy Chambers. Um, we need someone uh, to carry the baton. Kathy Chambers has carried the baton before. Amazing story. Uh, Jesse Johnson's carried the baton. Amazing story. Who wants the baton? Who wants to share their story, their cyber story, and let us know who they are uh, on LinkedIn and help others blow up their professional network? Please let us know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's go. I'm going to drop over to uh, jaw jacking while we get this kitty up going. Everybody, thanks so much for being here. And if you're coming to jaw jacking, I look forward to seeing you over there. Be back in a minute. Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I am your host, Jerry Guy, coming in hot, Leon Elliott, with five gifted subs. Thank you, Leon Elliott. Can we just become best friends? Yep. So everybody who's going to pick up those, uh, like Philip Cook just grabbed one, Julio Alacron grabbed one, Brandon Peck, take advantage of those squad memberships. Hey, Amish Runaway, let's go. Amish Runaway. Amish Runaway has the baton. Let's go, Amish Runaway. Can't wait to see your story. Let's roll. <clears throat> All right, y'all. How's everyone doing? Hey, yesterday. Um... All right, so Jonathan Lindsay, I'll answer your question in just one second. Um, about Antarctica. Um, so really quickly, yesterday on the channel... Uh, service members, veterans, active duty. There was some discussion. We settled. I, I just want to give an update on all of you. We settled on veteran as the sim, as the uh, simply cyber discord rule. So if you are an active duty or former military, uh, and you you know basically identify with the veteran tag, you can have that role applied to you on the simply cyber discord server. We're working out a way so you can self. Um, self-designate as a veteran so we don't have to manually do it. But I just wanted to provide an update to everybody that that feature is there. And we uh, I'll report back as soon as we figure out a way to automate it. <clears throat> okay, so Jonathan Lindsay asked about jobs in Antarctica. So some of you may or may not know, I worked in Antarctica. Um, I've been to Antarctica three times. I've been to the South Pole. I've been... Um, I've been to Palmer Station several times. I actually have the only, I was never in the military, but I have what I think is the only um, ribbon, like, you know, ribbon bars and ribbon that can be issued to non-military people. And you, it's called the Antarctic Service Medal. And I've been, uh, I've received it. I actually have it in my house. I, I probably want to hang it in the studio, but <clears throat> so anyways, I know what I'm talking about. Like this isn't fictitious. Okay. And if you guys want, I can pull up a fun picture uh, from Antarctica. But here's the deal. Antarctica is run 
uh, if you want to work in Antarctica through the United States, it's run through the National Science Foundation's United States Antarctic Program, NSF USAP. The main hub, Jesse Johnson, get ready. The main hub for USAP is out of Aurora, Colorado, just south of Denver. If you want to do IT or cyber in Antarctica, uh, I think Raytheon currently has the contract. It's run through a U.S. federal contract. But basically, everybody just flips badges. Every five years, <clears throat> every five years, the NSF awards the contract to another huge, um, you know, like defense industrial based contractor. But everybody that like works there basically is like a Raytheon employee. And then five years later, they become an SEIC employee. It's like they it's just all the same people. But there are massive opportunities. So if you want to um, if you want to work in Antarctica, that's exactly how to do it. And like I said, I'll pull up pictures. <clears throat> not 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 to flex, but they're they're cool pictures. You know what I mean? Okay. Here, let me let me uh, <clears throat> let me show you. Cause now I want to do it. And I'll I'll grab the um I'll grab the metal uh, for tomorrow or something. Nadine, my wife, Mrs. Ozier, she like framed it and made it look pretty. All right, here we go. All right. Um, let me see. Let me see. Um, okay, hold on. Uh, this is, I'll do a couple really quickly. This is, um, who knows what screen this is going to pull up. Oh, it's my read and my, my audience. There you are. There's, I told everybody this the other day, but like, basically I put this up right here. So when I'm talking to you, I'm looking at humans instead of staring at a blank, a blank window. Um, so anyways, that, that's the simply cyber community. Hello. All right. Let me, let me, um, actually do this correctly. Yeah, there we go. So this is Palmer station just off. So to get to Palmer station, you have to go through, um, Chile. I actually sailed through Tierra del Fuego, this Palmer station. It's as remote and desolate as you can imagine. There's me, old Jerry guy. All right. And then here's me. Hey, Jesse Johnson, look at me rocking this axe. Okay. And then let me let me uh, show you this really quickly. Uh, see if I can. I just want to show you one more thing that I think is kind of fun, kind of cool. Um And then, oh, hold on one second. And I'm sorry I'm not answering questions right now. I, I just, I want to find this really quickly. And uh, I think you guys will find it really cool. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. Okay, this is the picture I want to show you, okay? All right. So check this out. This is me. This is me at the South Pole. Okay, this is uh, Scott Base right here. This is me at the South Pole. This right here is the magnetic South Pole, right? Like they move this every couple years. Now, what I want you to pay attention to is that this is me sitting around it. You see how I'm sitting around it? I'm literally in every single time zone at the same time. That's why I did that. I think it's super cool. I am in every time zone in this picture. I went, talk about a Worldwide Wednesday. I went around the world, but like as one person, who knew? All right, anyways, that's enough um, being silly. All right. 
So what what kind of oh so hot right now? That Hansel's so hot right now. Yeah, the South Pole's so hot. So anyways, yeah, that's a lot of fun. If you want to work at the uh, <clears throat> in Antarctica, that's what's up. Uh, Leon Elliott, what PhD dissertation did I do? I'll show you, and I'll drop a link in chat too. Um, my dissertation was called um, "Flashlight in a Dark Room." Come on. This is my dissertation right here. Come on, man. I hate slow load times. I don't have any patience for it. So this is my dissertation right here. Uh, flashlight in a dark room, a grounded theory study on infosec management at small healthcare providers in the state of South Carolina. Uh, I'll drop a link uh, in chat on this one, but this got me a PhD. All right. There you go, Leon Elliott. Take care, Jenny. Take care, everybody. All right, so Amish Runaway is doing it. Johnny Five says, can you suggest a learning pathway to cloud security and a SEC plus necessary? So yeah, um, I would say definitely get SEC plus. Then the other thing I would say is... Um, for a cloud security training, what you really need to do is pick Azure or AWS and then take their own training, right? Microsoft offers, because Microsoft and Amazon want you to be smart in their platform because they're trying to get market share, right? So go do all the free training um, at Microsoft or all the free training. Literally just Google AWS security training or Azure security training and just go. It's like basically the training's free and then the exam costs money, but become a specialist in their platform. They're, they're specialized and it really depends on uh, where you want to work and what you want to do. You're going to find um, Azure and O365 uh, gives you deeper level of control and granularity for enterprise level. AWS is more like uh, CICD, DevOps programs, big tech companies. That's what's up. <clears throat> okay, what other questions? What's the best way to afford a PhD? Well, the number one way I could say, Red, is to have someone else pay for it. I, I did not pay for my PhD. I went to, uh, I worked at the Medical University of South Carolina and I used their training assistance program. It was like five grand a year. I slow played it and uh, got it paid for. So that's one way to do it. Get your employer to pay for it. <clears throat> um, what other questions we got? Jesse Johnson is sharing cloudbreach.io. Is that a, is that a training resource, Jesse? I'm pulling up cloud. <clears throat> cloudbreach.io. I don't know what this is. Oh, cool. Looks like this is for offensive security training for Azure or AWS, which is aligned with what I just said. Um, I would say learn the fundamentals at Azure and AWS and then do something like this. Because like, again, you need, to un you need to understand how it works correctly before you uh, try to attack it um, before you try to attack it and break it. Okay. Sorry guys. I'm, I'm multitasking. All right. Are there any other certs that are for security and AI ML? I don't know if there's any security, uh, AI ML certs that I know of. I mean, it's so like new and explosive. 
But Doug Carruthers, Doug Carruthers, first timer, Doug. The number one resource that I love, Doug, and you should definitely bookmark this for security certifications is Paul Jeremy's cyber security roadmap. This thing is dope. Everybody that knows, knows. And now you do too, Doug Carruthers. Get up on that. Tells you like, <clears throat> basically the vertical slots are, the vertical slots are areas, right? So red, blue, black is GRC, orange is architecture. Um, the horizontal swim lanes are level of expertise. So the bottom of the graph is beginner, the mid is intermediate, and the top is expert, right? So you'll see your like PNPT, your OSCP higher up, and your SEC plus is like down at the bottom right here, okay? This is a great resource. Definitely bookmark it. <clears throat> God damn my throat. Sorry, Ken. <clears throat> what are some researcher? What are some resources for getting started as a SOC analyst? San Gipo. Dude, I got the number one resource right here, buddy. Check this out. <clears throat> oh my god. Number one resource, absolutely hands down. Um, I'm gonna give you actually like a bunch of resources. Ready? Number one, playlists. Uh, right here. So you want to be a sock analyst. That sounds right. Here's 19 videos in an organized way that answers that question for free. Here we go. Sun. So there's the first playlist. Watch that one, right? Then next playlist. Sock analyst experience, right? Free sock analyst experience. Boom. Let's give you that. Okay, next. Uh, and this is where it's going to start costing money, but um, Hack the Box has a sock analyst role path that I've heard is good. I have not previewed it myself. That will cost money. But hey, you know what? Song, um, and I'm, song PO, check this out. I said it earlier anti siphon training, sock core skills, right? You want to get started? Check this out. Sock core skills. This is free. 16 hour in-person class available remotely from John Strand, who's a legend in the industry. Get up on that. Links in the description below to that. All right. Hopefully that answers your question. One more minute and then I got to go. ZMF, all the value. That's how we roll up in here. How would you study for a cert and practice skills on haiku? Do you study for cert for one hour, then practice haiku for another, or study the cert one day and haiku another? Um, I mean, honestly, Nick, if it were me, um, I would kind of lean into like whatever my vibes are at that point. So, like, if I'm trying to study for a cert and I find it like very grindy, then maybe I would play on haiku or some other platform because I'm still moving forward on my initiative, but I'm doing something that aligns with how I'm vibing right then, right? Like studying for a cert and getting frustrated and then going and playing Skyrim, that doesn't help you, right? So I try to like lean into, I try to lean into um, whatever I'm kind of vibing on, but as long as it's aligned to what we're doing, like simply cyber, right? Some days I don't want to make a video, but I'll be like, all right, like maybe I can go into the YouTube comments and reply to people and add some value there. Or maybe I can... Um, you know, do some planning, you know, like sit down with a notebook and do some planning, like just 
whatever. Um, all right. <clears throat> Thanks, everybody. I'm going to get out of here. I got a meeting at 930, and I'm going to die if I, if I don't get a chance to get some honey and some tea in my throat. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. <clears throat> I'm sorry. All right, everybody. Uh, it's been wonderful. I um, absolutely. Hey, uh, Curtis Flush. Haiku is actually available on web now. All right. Tune into Slay Security Plus this Thursday. I love it. Jesse Johnson. Um, follow him. Go to Security Slay Security Plus YouTube channel. All about good times. Amish Runaway. Looking forward to your story. Uh, just know the Cyber 101 beta testers have been activated. We've got five beta testers going through the course right now. Um, Zach Morrison, um, Zach Morrison, um, really quickly. Zach, download this book. It like, it's literally 10 steps on how to break into the job. Um, Christina Paulica, I don't know if you're here, uh, but this, this is up. Um, this is up. So simply cyber.io slash books. Um, I'll be adding to this or Christina will be, but now there's a website, simply cyber.io slash books with all of these, um, books that I'm always talking about and recommending. I do need to add a couple more, uh, but there's a link to buy it on Amazon. It, it is an affiliate link. So, um, you know, you, you following the link and buying something may result in simply cyber, uh, getting some money, but, uh, that's whatever. Anyways, um, that's what's up. All right, guys. I'm Jerry, your chat. This was awesome. Be well, and we'll see you all tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.